0: Welcome to Amongst Critical Friends. This is a podcast series of the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. My name is Sarah Franke and I will be your host in this podcast. This podcast is a place for critical reflection. We connect theory and practice and dig deeper for intellectual curiosity and professional betterment. We invite changemakers in business, civil society, policy and academia to the Centre for Social Innovation at the Cambridge Judge Business School to talk about their work, their ideas and their motivation to strive towards a more just and sustainable world. We know that good attentions alone are not enough to make a positive impact. Therefore, we need to challenge ourselves and be challenged to sharpen our viewpoints and become more effective in our work. That's why we connect critical friends here, for both support and feedback. Well, welcome guys. Today we're talking about researching crime and crime fighting. Um, and it's about the different ways to gain understanding of, um, of crime and the entire system around it. And I have three fantastic guests with me to discuss this topic. I have Roberto Vona. He's a professor in business management at the University of Naples, Federico II, member of the Italian Academy of Business Administration. And his work covers many areas of research, massive track record in publications, so I'm not going to list them all, but one of your research interests is... fighting organized crime, but from a managerial perspective. So I'm really happy that you could be here. Thank you. Then we have Dr. Lilia Giorni. She's the CEO of a Cambridge-based gender think tank Jampool and a postdoctoral research fellow in the Centre for Social Innovation. And she's also teaching here at the Cambridge Judge Business School. Uh, She holds a PhD in politics from the University of Cambridge and sits in the board of several charities, Social Enterprise and Feminist. Delighted to be Networks? here. Networks? Yeah, welcome. And of course, last but not least, we have Laura Gutierrez. Uh, she's currently completing a PhD at the Institute of Criminology in Cambridge University. Her doctoral research is an exploratory study of the police in Bogota, Colombia, and she also has researched state corporate crime in Colombian gold mining business. Very happy that you could also be here. Thanks for having me. Um, So, the aim of this podcast is actually to see where research meets practice and what the research you're doing has actually, yeah, why is that important? Um, Which, of course, is really important, but it's not that obvious sometimes for people uh, uh, just checking in. So, could you introduce your own research shortly and tell why it's important to gain more knowledge of these aspects, of this perspective? Robert, you want to
1: start yes. off? I'm from Napoli, as you told. Uh, I'm from uh, the south of Italy, and uh, Napoli is maybe many people know is a, a beautiful city, but also is famous for for crime, for crime uh, questions, and uh, we have uh, a crime organization, very dangerous, operating in Napoli that is uh, known as uh, Camorra. So, as Neapolitan, as a Professor of Management, uh, a Neapolitan Professor of Management, uh, I thought it should be important uh, to explore uh, this uh, big, big problem and uh, to explore this problem not only on the military uh, side, but also uh, on the economics and managerial sides.
0: Which is bis- a business... Mm-hmm. Lens, right? You have, yes. a, yeah.
1: And we we tried to start research uh, in this in this field, uh, organizing uh, uh, lots of uh, uh, meetings and uh, activities uh, with with people that fight these organizations every day, uh, public prosecutors, judges, police. And so we ask to these uh, people to come to uh, our uh, class and to meet our students, uh, to explain directly to them uh, what is really now uh, crime, organized crime. Because we see the effects of organized crime every day. We read newspapers and we see Uh, killings and other things like that. But we maybe do not uh, see many other very important uh, aspects of the uh, behavior of crime organization maybe more uh, important, more pervasive, more more dangerous for, for society that are economic and, and management questions. And so more
0: behind the scenes. You can't, behind it's the scene. not in the face as not a murder, but it's more...
1: Really, really difficult to understand for the mass of the people, because these are problems that only people who works with this know exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we, we started to explore this uh, uh, economics and management side, dark side of uh, dark and dangerous side of the Camorra and, and Mafia organization, uh, talking with, uh, with these uh, people, with yeah. these mm, very uh, important uh, people uh, at a high level. Uh, and we organized lots of seminars, very, very technical. Yeah. And offering these seminars and these reflections. Uh, open-minded, very generous uh, to our uh, economics and management students to 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 make a service, not only to make teaching, to make yeah. a, service, a very important uh, social service. Because uh, exploring this dark side, there, our students, our colleagues, we are understanding uh, how complex is this uh, phenomena and how knowledge is very important and precious to fight against these organizations, yeah. using not the classical guns uh, and uh, other typical instruments of fighting, but uh, the power of knowledge that is very, very <laughs> important. <for laughs> very us.
0: clear. Thank you. Very interesting. Uh, Laura, if I can give you uh, the opportunity to tell a bit more about your research, because Roberta just told about like inviting actually police, but also other parties to their school to teach the students more about this organized crime. You studied police in Bogota. Can you tell about your research? Yeah. So um,
2: one of the very important things of what Roberto just said, I feel, is the fact that um, you have to explore all the social aspects about crime and crime control. Usually um, there is um, a lot of the times there's a, um, a quantitative aspect to the characterization of crime. So counting how many instances of this happened or that happened or what seemed to be the best strategies to reduce this or that. But um, unless you really go very deep into the social mechanisms and the social relations, the networks that kind of um, allow for these um social issues to happen then it's very difficult to do anything about it or to understand it and um, so roberto was saying that it's very important to um yes explore the 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 mafia and how they operate but also talk to prosecutors and judges and the police and everyone involved um in 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 this particular social phenomenon um, and i think that has been one of the key um concerns that has guided Um, my research so um, in Colombia for instance in particular the criminology is not a very prominent field Um, and there is I feel there are huge gaps of knowledge um, regarding um, the social aspects of crime so what I've tried to do in in my research uh, before in state corporate crime and in gold mining and currently Um, in my exploratory study about the police, is to just to understand, to produce some sort of insight um, about these um, social phenomena or about these institutions in its own right, yes? Because we usually use a lot of the imported kind of assumptions about what the criminological issues are and how to tackle them without first having explored actually how things play out in the context. And so um, that, is, that is key, especially when you are doing research outside of the Anglo-European context. Um, so that is basically what I've been doing in my own research, and I feel that it is very important to gain more knowledge about these aspects of crime because, um, well, A, just for the sake of knowledge itself, of the sake of understanding um, contexts in their own right, but also, um, it becomes really important for, um, for the practice, and especially, I mean, we're here in the, in the Center for Social Innovation, if you want to develop projects and programs and um, interventions designed to tackle these issues, then, um, then you should seriously be concerned about having a good grasp of the reality that you're trying to, um, to affect. Otherwise, um, as I was saying yesterday in in our panel discussion, um, in the best of cases, you'll just waste a lot of money. But in the worst of cases, you'll just end up exacerbating the very problems that you're trying to solve. So yes, that's it, I guess.
0: Um, so, thanks very much for these two already very interesting perspectives uh, from the police and from the more crime fighting broader perspective on, on organized crime. And we have here Lilia who has another perspective, brings another perspective to the table to, in researching mafia. Lilia? Sure.
3: Yes, I, you're correct. I'm also interested in, uh, in organized crime, and that comes from a somewhat very personal place. Um, and like Roberto, I also grew up in Naples. My mum is a judge, so she dealt with several mafia cases in the past. The uncle of my sister's long term boyfriend was a journalist who was killed by the mob. Uh, So, even though I had a fairly privileged upbringing, I suppose, uh, organized crime in my city intersected and affected my life in so many ways. And I think what's interesting is that well before I became a researcher and some sort of gender expert, I think I always confusedly grasped that um mafia-like groups in Southern Italy uh, were very patriarchal institutions uh with the, with the deeply entrenched gender culture uh and uh, I decided to study the gender side uh, of mafia-like groups uh, uh in Naples and and in Sicily which is you know the current object of my study uh Building on the idea that uh, if gender norms, gender dynamics, say um, hierarchical family roles, gender stereotypes, toxic notions of masculinity, are really very crucial to uh, the organisational culture of mafia-like groups uh, and especially to the ways in which they recruit young men and they socialise young men into violence, uh, then by doing gender differently, uh, we can really start undermining the, the stickiness of the power that mafia groups have on, uh, on Italian society. Uh, so, essentially, on the one hand, I decided to study how mafia was doing gender, how these gender norms, these gender dynamics were constructed in mafia communities. Uh, but I was also interested in understanding... Uh, how anti mafia people, so all the actors that uh, Roberto and then Laura mentioned earlier on, so on the one hand, uh, cops, public prosecutors, judges, lawyers, but also on the other hand, journalists, educators, anti mafia activists, uh, social entrepreneurs, priests, and so on. So, how all these people did gender themselves because it was an either or situation. I had two kind of working assumptions. Either they agreed with my intuition that gender was so crucial uh, to, to the culture of organized crime, and therefore they were trying, in more or less explicit and conscious ways, to offer alternative models of gender rela- relations and gender interactions, alternative models, say, of a healthier masculinity. Or, and that was the other hypothesis, perhaps, as at the end of the day, they were also enmeshed in the very same communities in, in the system, uh, as Laura said, of kind of social aspects and social mechanisms and interactions, then maybe they also perhaps subconsciously and willingly reproduced and contributed to perpetuate like gender norms. Uh, so my, my, my first case study, which was uh, in the university town of Catania in Sicily, uh, you know, I, I went on with an exploratory study research design. I was like, let's go and see. I had no idea what I would have found. And I picked Catania because uh, Catania is a somewhat progressive town. There's a the university, plenty of students, plenty of intellectuals. There's a quite modern mafia with many of the traits Roberto had described, very business-minded mafia and so on. And uh, I was amazed to find out that It was really the first one, the first hypothesis. Uh, Anti-mafia people, these quite complex coalitions and networks of of actors, uh, were really trying to do gender differently in so many ways. so I very quickly mention a couple of super interesting cases. So uh, there are examples of uh, male anti-mafia activists uh, uh, doing uh, awareness-raising work with young boys from uh, heavily mafia-dominated neighborhoods, so at high risk of being recruited by the mob, uh, and trying to offer them uh, healthier uh, male role models. There are, on the other hand... Uh, how, how do they do that? So th- that's a very interesting question. So they do it through rugby. So, and I remember giving a presentation to your court on this. So, so these guys created in Librino, which is this uh, uh, very difficult, very complex suburb of Catania, a rugby club. Uh, and uh, they made uh, the rugby club such, such a vibrant, interesting place that all the young people, especially the young boys at the beginning, really wanted to hang out there. And they picked rugby for a specific reason. Because they felt rugby, which is a quite energetic sport, somewhat perhaps mistakenly perceived as aggressive, uh, could be attracted to these kind of boys. And then, after having had a male-only team for a couple of years, they created a female team. And they had this amazing campaign from like, a gender point of view, saying, you know, rugby is not just for boys. It's for everyone. And they were so successful that actually uh, their clubhouse last year, as you may remember, was to the ground as an intimidation act because uh, the Mafia people understood very well that what these guys were doing was incredibly dangerous for them. And, uh, and I remember I wrote to them immediately because I was just back from the field. I was absolutely destroyed when I heard this. And they told me, you know what, actually this is a symptom, this is a sign that what we're doing is working and we're so overwhelmed by the solidarity. And um, I feel that's one of, of the very interesting
2: and most important aspects of um, getting to know the context and the, the the issues on their own terms. Because if we focus on the traditional image of crime and crime control, which is we have some bad people doing bad things, and the way to attack this is by giving more powers to the police or or, or by Having more stringent kind of like uh, penalties and punishments, um, then that will solve the issue, not necessarily. And in fact, you have communities and other non-state actors developing interventions and projects that are actually very very effective, like uh, like this rugby club, um, at actually tackling the very social issues of perhaps disenfranchisement. Or uh, you know vulnerability of all these young people, and and they bring them in and tackle the, the the key issues that actually end up making these kids viable mafia kind of like people. They tackle the core issues at the root that make these people um, likely to engage um, in in illegal activities. So I think this is a perfect example of of why. Um, it is important to get to know the context and to recognize and understand all those um, particular ways in which um, societies can deal with uh, with their problems from the ground.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point and I want to uh, <coughs> ask you, Roberto, because you also tackled from a different <coughs> side, right? Not like having more law enforcement, more police, but more yes, behind the scenes. The scene can you tell a bit not more? It's
1: sufficient because uh, uh, it's not it's not only uh, a classical uh, war uh, with soldiers and uh, guns and uh, sometimes you don't you don't see the enemy that is very uh, more complicated to discover and and we we, we learned this uh, uh, sp- very sophisticated uh, ev- evolution of crime uh, Organization, reading and listening, the experience of, of this of these uh, people, and uh, we we noticed a sort of uh, uh, mafia 4.0 evolution uh, from crime from fighting classical to business uh, business management and. Uh, the, the technical, uh, interesting question is that mafia now is uh, trying to uh, use uh, all the money that is producing all the cash, bloody money that is producing uh, with the drugs, uh, with the usury, uh, with the. Uh, other classical crime sector business uh, is trying to uh, convert this money in, uh, in legal money. And uh, we have understood that uh, they are using more sophisticated technical systems to do, to do it, not only financial syst- systems not only banking systems but uh, uh, business systems uh, acquiring with this money firms operating in the legal system, uh, typically acquiring uh, uh, firms in uh, in the retailing sector that is uh, one of the first uh, business a sector used by mafia to to use the black money, the the cash money, to 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 convert this money in legal in legal and and, and later the 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 more sophisticated entrance in uh, in other sectors of business. So the fight is changing with this organization. It's not only with guns, but. On, with money, money, yeah. money affairs and I, I, th- I think that uh, we, we should do a, an important contribution to, uh, to explain this to people and uh, to convince these people to fight with police organization, with uh, public prosecutors, uh, putting their uh, knowledge at service of the, of the state and this is uh, yeah the, the, the new because the the, the public prosecutors are uh, succeeding in fighting also on this side but uh, the 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 fight is very complicated and dynamic so you need knowledge uh, knowledge on the border uh, on the field of of business and management yeah. because only if you have these techniques you can support public prosecutors in this complex activity to discovering the money, the bloody money that are entering the legal system uh, every day, but not only in Napoli, all over the world, because this crime evolution, 4.0 evolution, is a, a problem that you, you can find everywhere in yeah. the world, not only in Napoli, not only with Camorra, but with every every crime organization. So
0: yeah, so, so you were saying we have to, to give people knowledge, right? But people in your specific case is a bit more specific. You have students.
1: Students, uh, for example, business management students that in three years will go to the market and uh, should be able to go to uh, help, uh, should, will be able to go to the legal sectors, uh, but also should be able to to work in the in the in the professional uh, uh, professional like like accountants, like uh, business consultants, and, and to, to help uh, public prosecutors in the in the investigation activities that are very very sophisticated. And, of the, and, the, and their lack of this knowledge at the moment.
3: Yeah, so if I may contribute on this, I think what makes organized crime so interesting in a way but also so difficult to undermine and to defeat is that uh, in Southern Italy, as uh, with the obvious differences in other contexts, it really is a kind of a multi-headed monster. So there is this, uh, uh, you know, transnational, increasingly global, business and financial side. It is perfectly true, as Roberto was saying, that Southern Italian organized crime has infiltrated war finance and war business and so on. There is still, as it was mentioned earlier on, this sort of military side for a very simple reason. Uh, uh, These organizations need cash, uh, cash to reinvest in these legal or paralegal businesses. And uh, a very quick way to get cash is uh, for drug sales. And uh, in order to, to, to sell drugs, you need to control the territory quite heavily in a military way. But I think there is also a third component, which is quite specific to mafia-like groups uh, in southern Italy, which is uh, the identity component. And uh, that goes back to Laura's point, which is uh, why young people, for example, do join these groups. And there are obviously Complex economic and social reasons, disenfranchisement, uh, uh, you know, growing up in profoundly disadvantaged areas, and so on. Uh, at the same time, uh, I would say that there are these specific identity traits which exert a very powerful fascination, and uh, many of them are related to this uh, notion of uh, strong, uh, I'd say, toxic masculinity. So I think. It's a battle to be fought on three different fronts. Uh, So, yes, there is the judicial side in the sense that obviously crime needs to be persecuted. There is uh, the economic side, the business side, and there is the prevention side. How do we prevent new generations to be from being recruited into this group? Uh, And uh, even more importantly, how do we break the linkage between these organisations and the communities in which they are enmeshed. Because Southern Italian Mafia wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this kind of very complex, silent uh, deal in the local communities. There are cases of Mafia bosses which have been like, researched and you know, searched for by the police for decades, and they still live in their neighbourhood. Yeah, Everyone knows. And this doesn't mean that all the people in the neighborhood uh, are colluding openly with the mafia. But it is very complex. And there is the question that in many of these areas, mafia is seen as a kind of alternative uh, provider of social services that the state is not providing. So, yes, I think the battle needs to be fought on all these sides yeah. at the same time. And that's where non state actors come in.
2: Yeah, and, and perhaps. The fact that it is clearly such a contextually grounded Mm -hmm. situation makes it all the more important to um, analyze the mechanisms through which those criminal organizations get a hold of the community. Yes. Because um, in in an increasingly globalized world, we tend to see um, solutions as well as as kind of like universal Um, universally applicable Um, and yes even though a lot of the groups may use um, international mechanisms and and the financial uh, system and even though they may share lots of the patterns in which they operate there is a key aspect that makes them grounded to the community and that feeds their existence which is very peculiar to each context. So if you want to tackle the side of prevention, um, following Lilia in in her three aspects of of tackling these um, organizations, um, then you have to be very, very aware of of the mechanisms that socially allow these um, operations to, to remain alive. And for that, you need to get in there and look for it. You need, to, you need to actually take into account the fact that knowing the problem in context may be the key to being able to design projects and interventions that will help prevent it. But if I may yeah.
3: very, very quickly on this point, so I completely agree with everything uh, both Roberto and Laura said on you know, the power of knowledge and the necessity to truly know a context uh, in depth before acting upon it. On the other end though, I think uh, it's also important to point out that knowledge comes from doing, and there is also kind of opposite tendency in academia in producing social science that does not matter that is produced in Britain just to contribute to very obscure theoretical debates and doesn't really meet the needs of the practitioners, so I think it's important to uh, you know, have a balance between these two. So I completely agree on the idea that contributing to knowledge per se is a very worth kind of intellectual endeavour, but I think especially if you work on these topics.
2: I agree and I think there's an issue there of, for instance, um, the the global north and the global south and the issues that, for instance, you see in a lot of these big universities that. Um, uh, professors and researchers have a particular interest in European or Anglo-European context. So in my case, for instance, policing in the UK, they've discovered that the key issues about policing are these three, and then they go about and find how those three issues that they consider important play out in different contexts in the world without realizing that no, no, this is like the South is not a, a data bank. And, and there is more to their realities that, than, the, than feeding the academic discourse and the academic um, arguments that are taking place in the North. So I absolutely agree. I think there definitely needs to be um, a purposeful research spirit that is most definitely guided towards the betterment
0: of the societies that you're studying. Very good. Yeah, I'm totally, I'm really happy with the turn we also take because this really feeds into actually also the core question I wanted to ask you after we've heard about your very interesting research. How does this research affect, is there a doing bit in there, Roberto? What
1: I think that we can do, uh, we can have an important role in, uh, in, in action. We, we can do a good research uh, doing research with experts and creating mechanism to understand in depth uh, the problems talking with people that act on the field that is completely basic basic the basic uh, part, the starting point for for doing good research but we we have to also to to give support in, in action and uh, uh, giving lessons or creating opportunities to understand <coughs> things, complex things from the experts is a very social initiative. Uh, and it's not so common and not so uh, typical in a, a university uh, offering system. To uh, get the it
0: practitioners it in and explain. And yeah.
1: Explain uh, what is really uh, so, uh, Essential really for you, yeah, to, uh, and it's 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 a contribution. I think it's important contribution. It's not so easy to have the uh, the chief of the public prosecutors national uh, in Napoli uh, or uh, several times and and have discussions with the students. It, it, it's not so easy, and we we are trying to do it, and uh, and they come and they are very happy to do it and uh, it's important because it's uh, an ethical, important uh, theme, not only technical. But we can do more because uh, we can suggest to people that live in a crime territory like that there is also people who succeed in fighting mafia because sometimes you uh, lose hope and uh, sometimes you think that uh, the state is Mafia, that is better than the, the other states. So you have to explain, but not only speaking, not from an academical point of view, not with the uh, lecture, uh, academically, but with the experience of people who succeed in fighting, that there's the wrong, the, the wrong way and the right way for the future and and uh, they are they are speaking to economics and management students students that at the end of the third year could choose to go to supporting the mafia 4.0 evolution so this is a, a, another social a- activity that we are doing but we are also convinced that uh, the fighting is uh, very complicated and you need also to create new opportunities in the poor territories. So, entrepreneurship. Social entrepreneurship, but also entrepreneurship in general. And we are telling, we are teaching entrepreneurship in our university, uh, thinking also inter- to interpret as a, a, a possibility to fight mafia and crime uh, in our territories. Uh, and uh, we have the experience of Vercolano, for example, that we studied together. Uh, they yeah, Roberto started... Roberto and uh, I
3: co-authored, <coughs> together with Daniel Stott, the director of the centre, a paper on the experience of this super interesting uh, anti-mafia social cop in Ercolano, near Naples. Uh, they're quite interesting. So they started by creating uh, an anti-mafia web radio. And their headquarter is the flat of a former mafia boss. It's quite an interesting place. It's in the central town. There is a balcony where now you know, the anti-mafia activists smoke their cigarettes. From that balcony, the mafia boss used to watch the murders that he had ordered being committed by, by his people. And uh, starting from the web radio, they, as Roberta said, they, they started getting training in social entrepreneurship and so on. And now they got allocated um, a big piece of land nearby, also seized from another mafia family. Uh, and they are producing tomatoes and honey. And this entrepreneurship work also contribute to pay the expenses for the radio. I actually wrote a blog on this, which is on the JBS website. So yeah, feel free to have a look. Yeah.
2: I think another very important thing, because I am an academic, and in that sense, I will not pretend that I know how to set up an enterprise or tell other people how to set up anything at all. Um, but in that sense, I feel that there is a need for for me as an academic, a to well to also fight this idea that academia are only obscurantists that go about doing their own research and debates and discourses and don't care about the real world. Um, by A, doing something that is very difficult for academics, which is making a conscious effort of producing knowledge that is usable, but also that it is, that is accessible in the language. And that means, that doesn't mean that I'm gonna be able to write um, a very pop PhD dissertation, but it means that I have to commit um, to writing A, in Spanish, but also be in an accessible language and through accessible media that could actually um, go out and serve a purpose besides feeding academia itself. Um, yes, and be to be um, involved and get involved and seek out uh, partnerships with people who are doing. Since I don't do so much as I watch and write, um, I would also like to to you know as a as a as an academic you you find that synergy between practitioners and academia so that you can both feed from each other.
3: I think Laura spot on, and I yeah, wholeheartedly agree with everything she said. F- from my point of view, I suppose you could also incorporate this uh, action element into the way you design your research. So for example, what I tend to do using you know, action research principles, ideas, and frameworks is uh, first to be very clear, very honest, very explicit with my research participants, especially those who are practitioners who come from vulnerable communities, about the purpose of my research. So I do not necessarily present myself as an expert. Of course, I do have an expertise. Uh, I've been you know, trained and so on. At the same time, they are the experts in their own problems. Uh, another thing I try to do. Uh, especially when I do focus groups or ethnographic observations and so on um, is to well first of all to do participant observation so very often when I'm doing ethnography with the group with say an anti-mafia social enterprise or an activist group they will invite me to give a talk a seminar or we may be spending some time uh, uh, brainstorming solutions for whatever problems they are facing, and in some ways, this all fits in into my research. But they get something away as well. And then, yes, lover 's point on uh, dissemination and the accessibility of research—that's that's crucial. And I think, sadly, as academics, if we want to get published, oh, we tend to want to get published. we need to comply to certain rules and to use a certain academic jargon and so on. So one of the things I also commit to do is to produce also other kind of outputs, such as policy papers and reports, podcasts, uh, podcasts <laughs> of course. and uh, I, I'm now considering working on a documentary on the gender and mafia issue. So I think it is up to us as academics becoming creative, well, as you guys said, and creating synergies and partnerships and coming up with ways to disseminate what you do and make it more relevant to the real world.
1: Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I would like to, to cite also an initiative that we are trying to do with a, with a friend of us, um, Maurizio Capone, that is a very creative musician in Napoli. We are trying to help people with crime experience, prisoners, uh, prisoners uh, of uh, the biggest uh, prison uh, in the south of Italy. Uh, Maurizio Capone is a, magician, a musician that has invented uh, m- um, instruments using uh, waste, and, uh, but professional instruments uh, using waste. And uh, we tried to bring this concept that is a, a social concept uh, in a prison because as we can give new life to the waste, we would like to give a new life to people. And uh, we uh, started a very interesting group of uh, prisoners, selective, more creative uh, uh, artisans, uh, uh, able to understand the philosophy of this uh, uh, idea. And we started to produce uh, uh, instruments from w- waste in the prison because we are thinking to create a, a social entrepreneurship in the prison uh, that have that has the, uh, the aim to, to realize these uh, instruments and to sell these instruments uh, so should be. A good, a good initiative uh, also for, for this specific kind of people. Great,
0: great. Thank you very much for this really interesting and lovely conversation. For more information about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to discussing more thought-provoking ideas in the next podcast.